0: Hello I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm getting a meta you know I love podcasting and today I'm talking to two amazing very different women's cyclists who are also doing podcast adventures I've got Abby Mickey who runs the Wheel Talk podcast and Lindsay Bayer who runs the Dirtfield Recordings hello hi hello um Abby do you want to introduce yourself first yeah,
1: sure. Uh, my name is Abby Mickey. I uh, ride professionally for Team Colavita Bianchi um, from the United States. And this year I started uh, a podcast about women in cycling um, called the Wheel Talk Podcast. So, yeah.
0: Excellent. And Lindsay?
2: Yeah, hello there. My name is Lindsay Bayer and I ride and co-own the UCI women's team Hoggins Berman Supervent. In addition, I also do a podcast called The Dirt Field Recordings and that's about it.
0: Excellent. So we're going to kind of go around. I'm going to ask them some questions about their cycling life as well, but we're going to talk about podcasting because nothing is better about talking about podcasting about a podcast on another podcast. I feel like everyone should always do this. So um, let's go, cool. Lindsay. Why did you start?
2: Why did I start a podcast? Mm. Uh, well, a very convincing man trapped me in his basement and suggested that I do it. <laughs> and I was drinking scotch at the time and he had fancy audio equipment. And the next thing I knew I was saying yes. So I, you know, I was working with In the Crosshairs, who does his own amazing podcast, and he'd invited me to come and be on his podcast. He invited me to his basement and I actually agreed and showed up with alcohol and we sat there, we finished the bottle and had a really good conversation. It was excellent. I had a great time and apparently people on the internet actually found it to be interesting. So he asked me if I would consider taking some recording equipment on the road with me this season and continuing those types of conversations with alcohol, of course, ideally not in a basement, but maybe like in the trunk of a car or somewhere (laughs) else dark and creepy. And have those conversations and send him the files and he would turn it into a podcast that he would push out to the universe and that is how the dirt-filled recordings was born.
0: So basically what started as a ransom note, please rescue me from this scary man's basement he's forced me to be whiskey, turned into a weird weird, um, your own media media empire. Well I'm
2: not sure what it says about me that being trapped in a man's basement actually didn't creep me out I was really enjoying it and, (laughs) and eager to come back for more but Yeah, that that's basically how it got started. And, you know, since then, it's been a lot of fun. It's an incredible amount of pressure when I hit record, because my rule is I don't ever redo, I don't edit or anything. So anything that happens after you hit record, you're trapped with forever and ever on the podcast. So it's been a lot of pressure. And for me, it's forced me to learn how to be more articulate. Yes, this is the after version, not the before. (laughs) And it's forced me to learn how to listen better. Instead of multitasking, I have to listen to the other person and really hear what they're saying and figure out what a good thing to say next would be. But in a way, I think that's also been a really, really formative experience. And it's been exciting and it's awesome to think about what else I can do with the podcast and who else I can have interesting conversations with as the season progresses both for my own sake just because it's fascinating to really dive into topics with people but also to figure out what the cycling audience might be interested in hearing next.
0: Cool and Abby what's your what's your secret origin story?
1: Well um Actually, in 2014, when I started, like, really racing full-time, I was riding for 2016 and met Greta Niemannis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right, which (laughs) would be embarrassing. But me and her were joking about starting a podcast then, and I kind of never forgot about it. And ever since then, I've been like, oh, I think I'll start a podcast. I think I'll start a podcast. And this year, I was finally like, you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. And so... Um, I thought that there was like a really big, like gaping hole in the media when it comes to women's cycling. Um, I mean, obviously Sarah, you have your podcast and I love it. And then, um, and that's, I think like, as far as I'm aware, the only like women's specific podcast, cycling podcast, um, and the Velo News podcast has just recently started covering women's racing, but before I don't know a month ago they like literally never mentioned it and the cycling news podcast doesn't ever really mention women cycling so I was like you know like I really want people to get to know women in cycling because I think that um, the women who race have incredible stories like they're there's some moms like they go to college they have full-time jobs they have like some really really awesome stories so that's kind of why I wanted to start it, and um, yeah.
0: Awesome. So so how long have you been doing it? Because, Lindsay, you've got about three or four episodes.
2: Yeah, I did two with Crosshairs, and then I've done three on my own. We just released the most recent one yesterday.
0: Yeah, and Abby, you've got about f- – are you on five at the moment?
1: Yep, I just got to number five.
0: <laughs> so it's kind of quite a new thing, I guess, for you both. Um, yeah, yeah. What, I, Lindsay, you've touched on things that you've learned about it, like uh, learned, learned about it. Are there other are things you've learned too, Abby, from you know your your adventures in podcastery. Well, I've actually
1: found it really interesting um, learning how to have a proper conversation because <laughs> I think that a lot of the time, like when you have a conversation, you tend to like pull it to yourself. Um, or something like that and I found that in the interview process um, it's it's really fun to like try to keep the conversation going without like actually having a plan because sometimes you come up with questions and you write down questions and you like stray so far from like where you have plotted the conversation will go that you can't possibly go back to those questions um, so you just have to roll with it and that's I think that's
0: been really fun. Do you go in with a big a big set of questions then or i mean
1: either of you two yeah i i try to come up with like at least five just so the conversation keeps going if it lulls but i haven't had to really use them yet so except in katie hall's interview that'll come later (laughs) that one was that was a little bit awkward i love her but it was a little bit of an awkward conversation she was very nervous and you yeah very very nervous
0: (laughs) Oh, and what, what about you, Lindsay? Do you, do you go in with like a set of questions or are you more uh, how many shots you can drink and the questions form from there?
2: Well, I think in advance about what I want the podcast to be about. So, for example, the one of my mom, if I just let it be a free range podcast, we probably would have talked about things like why I don't make my bed <laughs> or. I don't know why I'm such a petulant teenager, despite being 32. So I went in with an agenda there, not so much a list of questions. When I talked to Porik McGlynn, my amazing bike fitter there, I was terrified of him because even though we've talked about my labia at length, I still felt like, because he's such uh, a preeminent figure in the world of bike fitting and he's worked with all these world-class cyclists and he has this amazing background. I needed to do my homework so that I didn't sound like a clueless ass when I started the conversation. So for him, I had a list of questions, it ended up being such an organic conversation and he's so naturally entertaining and easy to speak with that I never had to look at those lists. Um, I think it's good to at least be prepared in case there is a lull, like Abby said, but for the most part, I've had excellent guests that make it so easy to have a conversation and I can just keep dropping in my awkward one-liners and there's really been no need to go back to a list of pre-formulated questions. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm oh god I've got so many questions for you both it's like oh my god um so did you did you make
2: a list of questions beforehand
0: (laughs) yeah I mean no I, I tend to but I think I've been um doing podcasting for a while now and it tends to be more of the you know and like you say got ideas of what i want to know uh you know what you race for and stuff but my problem is always keeping it into under an hour like every time i ever podcast i'm like it's going to be like half an hour this week it's going to be really short and snappy and it never is never 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 it just kind of rambles which you know i like but it kind of you know there's this idea that it could be this professional uh, uh you know professional production that's not there <laughs> Yeah. So, um, so Lindsay, you say you have someone who does it or does the things for you. So do you get edited and produced by Bill or, or does he just take your recordings and turn it into internet?
2: He takes the recording. So I send him an audio file directly. I literally take the memory card out of the recorder, stick it in my computer, put it in a Dropbox. He takes it. He puts in, I think he does music and an intro. I have to confess. I don't go back and listen to my own podcast. So I literally record it. I never hear it. I know he's brilliant. I trust him implicitly. Thanks, Bill. You're great. Um, so I never hear the finished product. I know he puts an intro at the beginning, and I think he says some stuff at the end, but he does not change anything in the middle. So if somebody says something hideously embarrassing, they are stuck with it forever and ever. And that's my <laughs> rule. And I tell them in advance, I don't care if you fart in the middle of this conversation. You're you're trapped. Like We're recording that. We're going live with it. And we're pushing your fart out to the world they don't get an opportunity to redo. And I think for me, that's important because I want the conversations to be as genuine as possible. So if you stick your foot in your mouth all the way down to your thigh, I want that to be on the final production because I feel like that's part of the conversation. And for me, it forces me to think about what I say. And if something incredibly stupid comes out of my mouth, then it forces me to own it and embrace it and move forward.
0: <laughs> and Abby, what about you? Are you are you editing or are you is it is it the conversation as is?
1: Yeah I do like all my own editing so like for the intro outro and then like all the music and stuff I edit myself and um, so far I haven't had to edit anything out of conversations except um, when I did my first two conversations over Skype um, I was using like a really bad recording uh, app because I didn't know I didn't know what to use and I think that the one that I ended up going with was like $30. And I was like, I don't want to spend $30 on an app. And <laughs> anyway, long story short, um, I had to like edit both Allie Stalker and Allison Powers' conversations completely all the way through the whole recording and pick like every time they talked and make the volume louder. And every time I talked and make the volume lower because they like they were speaking and you could like barely hear it on the recording. So that was a nightmare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but how do they work then? Are yours person to person in real life, Abby, or are they, are they all on Skype?
1: No, I've done like a couple of them person to person and then a couple of them on Skype. Um, I, I wish that I could see everybody that I interview face to face. But yeah, since we're scattered so far across the world, I have been doing a lot on Skype.
0: Now, what about you, Lindsay? Is it, all, is it all in real life with alcohol or is it sometimes on the phone?
2: So far, it's been all in real life. I think, you know, as the year goes on, and I continue looking for people to have great conversations with, I might switch to doing some remotely. But, you know, the alcohol thing will still be mandated. The only (laughs) exception was, you know, this past one, my teammate was driving us up to Chico. And I felt like, you know, I considered it like handing her a, a bottle of scotch while she was driving. But at her best, she's a terrifying and aggressive NASCAR driver. And I thought giving her a microphone and a bottle of alcohol might be one too many distractions.
0: Right. So that's 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 the cool, like, call. they sound like very different kind of podcasts, which is, you know, my aim in life is to listen to a thousand different kinds of podcasts and a thousand different. You know, I, I have a big belief in the cycling media is big enough for like so much more, so much more. And it's nice that you've got kind of some different some different vibes going on. I mean do, do you guys listen to I mean Abby you said you listen to mine and of course everyone listens to my podcast but <laughs> do you do you do you have I do you do you guys listen to other people's podcasts and stuff or have ideas about what you'd like podcasts. to do
1: <laughs> um yeah I, lo- I love podcasts and I'm pretty much only listen to podcasts when I ride my bike which is a lot so I listen to Lindsay's and then Actually, um, my teammate, Amber Pierce, she just started her her own podcast also called Network for Advancing Athletes. And it's kind of similar to mine, but it like ranges. It's like women in sport, period, like sport across the board. Um, so I've been listening to hers a lot also. And yeah, and then pretty much anything that's cycling related. So I listen to all of the Wide Angle uh, Network po- like podcasts also. <laughs>
0: Awesome. And Lindsay, do you listen to them? Because I'd never even heard a podcast before I started, actually probably for quite months after I'd started doing it, to be honest, if I'm really honest. But um, do, you, do you listen to them as well?
2: I'm going to be honest here, and I sound like a total asshole, but I don't listen to a single damn thing. <laughs> and I also don't really consume cycling media. Um, the, the one thing I'll add to this is, in addition to being a rider and running a team, I also have several full-time jobs that I do outside of cycling. So for the most part, like for example, this morning, I've already been on work emails. I have a teleconference at nine 30, I have one at noon. I have all these other meetings and obligations. And so generally when I'm not working, which feels like all the time or running the team or training or doing other things related to training, like hunting and gathering for food, which is basically my actual entire schedule, (laughs) I don't really have time to do much of anything. And so that's why, like, my own podcast, I don't even know how they sound. I've never listened. I don't have the time. And I just, yeah, the, the most I can do is usually jump on Twitter and find out, like, oh, there's a key news story. Okay, I'm going to go run over to the news and just read what that is. Um, so I get most of my information and all of my, like, media updates from short snippets on social media. And then I dive back into work. Work, 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 work.
0: <laughs> so, with your crazy life, why, why add a, why add another facet?
2: Oh God, I have. So it's funny. I the other night I was talking to John, my business partner and the team's director, and he's like, "Are you making money out of this?" Because his his basic point was, "Why the hell are you adding something else to your schedule?" And for me, it just came down to realizing, you know, over this past winter, I had a lot of major life changes, and I looked at the past five, ten years of my life and realized I'm always going to have a million things going on professionally off the bike because my jobs are always going to be there. I'm always going to be busy. I'm always going to be stressed but you only get one opportunity to live your life how you want and for me it was important. It's always been important to pursue this thing in sort of uh, ancillary to cycling this, this writing and creative thing that I enjoy. I've had a blog for over 10 years now and I really enjoy writing and I got an opportunity to write a column for Peloton magazine and The last thing I needed was something else on my plate, but that was something that for me was personally really important to actually make time, even if it meant giving up sleep. Or like yesterday, I did a ride on the trainer specifically so that I would have time to write my column on my phone while (laughs) pedaling. But I wanted to carve out a small piece of my life to dedicate to something that actually was really important to me. And this podcast has become another kind of avenue off that channel. So I really wanted to take the time and effort to come up with something creative, to be forced to grow a little bit, do something uncomfortable for me. I I was never very comfortable being interviewed or doing like a speaking engagement where I would be recorded and played out for thousands of people. But I figured it was worth the time and effort. So honestly, there are weeks where when I see like write the column and do the podcast, I feel a huge amount of anxiety because it's just another thing on the list. But ultimately, every single time I get it done, I feel like it was totally worth the effort. I'm really glad I put in the time to make that happen. And it feels a little bit like, sort of like I imagine most chicks feel when they take time to have a luxurious bath with candles or get a pedicure or something. For me, it feels like, holy shit, I did this thing for myself. And even if I missed out on sleep or missed out on this or forgot to eat lunch. Oh, wait, that never happens. I never miss a meal. But even if I missed out on something else or it added stress. Ultimately, it feels like it was totally worthwhile.
0: Wow, that's awesome! That's really cool. For me, I'm really excited about it. about about having more, 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 just because it feels like as 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 you said, Abby. There's the gap in the media, and yeah, and we get to step up and make our own. You know, make the you know, what make the media you want to make. And is that is that on? Is that, I guess is that your goal? Two. Is are you are you are you telling the stories that you want to tell because you think, wow, this is incredible. I want everyone to know, or are you kind of telling the stories that you want to know because you know you'd like you wish someone else was doing it is that me? <laughs> Either. Whichever <laughs> one. Whoever, whoever, whoever has an answer, just jump in like it's like a um like rabid dogs after a hunk of meat. or something if you want to speak just fight the other one to the death that's the that's the aim
1: (laughs) yeah I have like um I mean I really love cycling and um bike racing in general and I think that uh yeah like I said there is this gap and so I'm actually also an intern for Vox Women and I have this the podcast and really my aim is to just be in cycling media i just i i think that there's so much more that can be done so yeah
0: so what would you like to see i mean if you could if we could kind of have our fantasy women's cycling media going on where where would you you know if you could say actually i'm going to click my fingers and in two years time this is what this is what's going to be out there what what would well, you I've want coverage of all the races <laughs> god yes
1: <laughs>
0: yeah that'd be awesome <laughs> But, you know, what, what other what other kind of things would you like out there? And I guess this is a question for you both as riders, but also, you know, also, Lindsay, with your um, team manager head on. Um,
2: I'll go ahead and take a stab at that. Uh, you know, I think the thing that is lacking, well, there's a lot of things that are lacking. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, I'd really like to see... You know, if you look at professional sports that have taken hold from a marketing perspective and really have money and a fan base, you have things like football and baseball in America or, you know, any one of the sports that pay a lot. And you have fans that are invested in the athletes or in the team. And there's an identity behind that athlete or an identity behind that team that people are engaged with on a personal level. And it makes them willing to follow, go out of their way to seek out Uh, Either televised sporting events or going to live events Um, and they want to seek out merchandise and they want to do other things that allow them to engage Financially with this particular athlete that they look up to that they Follow that they're passionate about. I mean you get You know people screaming at the television during the Super Bowl because they're so invested in how the team does and I think in cycling whether it's men or women For some reason, we haven't, in a lot of cases, found a way to connect the athletes to the fans in a meaningful way that makes them engage and be interested in following the races. I think it's important to have races televised. It's important to have as many races televised as possible, but if you haven't found out how to connect the fans with the players in the race, whether it be a team or a specific rider, nobody's really going to give a shit, and they're not going to seek it out. So my goal, at least in how I... Put myself out there, and how I want to put my team out there is to create an identity and a brand that people want to follow and relate to, like a a cross between being aspirational and relatable. So it's like, you know, yeah, we go out and do these impressive, incredible things on the bike. We race hard. We fight. We do criteriums in city centers that look dangerous and exciting, and we do 90-mile road races and get in breakaways and have. You know, drone footage showing us riding through massive rolling hills with horses jogging by, but we also have kids and jobs and financial concerns and we're human and we struggle and we have eating disorders and anxiety and depression and there's fear and struggle and heartbreak and all these things. And I feel like my goal in what I do in the podcast, in talking to people, in what I do in my writing and writing a column is to show this duality of You know, these athletes have different sides to them. There are things in cycling that are aspirational and there are things that are so relatable that fans can connect and want to follow along. And I see it in the fans that my team ends up really drawing in who come back over and over again to connect with the team on social media. This feeling of you guys are amazing and I love following you. And it's, you know, it's so it feels like a personal connection, even though these people have never met the riders. They may never have seen us in person. And I think if cycling as a whole can figure out how to do that from a marketing perspective, it'll be easier to attract fans. You'll actually have people outside of our immediate circle in the sport pushing for media coverage. Because do you think if the Super Bowl wasn't put on television, people would let that fly? No, not in a million years. You have people clamoring for it, and thus it happens. And the airtime sells for millions of dollars. In cycling, if we figure out how to make these cyclists relatable and attractive to fans in such a way that they are clamoring similarly, I think the money will come in, the coverage will come in and the sport will continue to grow in a positive way.
1: Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. Like 100%. I mean, I think that, um, that we, with social media, it's so easy to just follow your favorite riders and to keep up with, you know, what they're doing and, the races that they do and the results that they get and, and all the behind the scenes stuff too, like what their favorite ice cream is and like stuff like that. So I think there's only, the only way that we can go is up at this point. And um, what's awesome about women's cycling in general is that because we don't have uh, coverage of the races, live coverage of the races, we find our own way to like publicize the sport and we find our own way to make sure that people know like who who won what races and and stuff so i think that that's really cool but i definitely think that like we're we're only getting bigger if that makes sense
0: yeah abby you've just been racing these first three spring classics this weekend you had noise on saturday van het hageland on sunday and then Lesser in on wednesday which have varying degrees of media coverage, you know. Like Van Hirtaagland oh, yeah. is is shown in its entirety, and then there's like, like there's 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 a half hour pro- highlights program on on Eurosport Netherlands and Be- Eurosport Belgium. Uh, omni Noisblad had less, and then Le Samin without teams and riders was was just invisible, you know. So oh, it was like
1: a and and it was a disaster. Uh, behind the scenes, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, because they changed. They changed the course like a yeah, an hour before the race started, right?
1: Yeah, and like the they didn't. Nobody knew where the feed zone was, and then like we, yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, but yeah, the coverage was pretty bad on Sunday. The coverage was great, actually. Like I was getting snapchats from my boyfriend who was watching the race and like sending me videos of like me riding. On the front and then like my teammate off the front so that was like really cool
0: <laughs> yeah it's interesting because america has a lot of the like uh innovative ways of showing races live you know if if there's going to be a race that's going to be shot on drone footage and some 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 bastard on with an iphone hanging off a motorbike it's going to be in the states yeah
1: yeah for sure i mean i think that like especially with the criteriums in the states yeah people people love to watch the Criteriums and they almost all of them are live.
0: yeah I mean do you find a disconnect between racing in the states where the races aren't as uh, let's say big as the you know something like noiseblad versus but but have better coverage?
1: Well that I mean it is kind of crazy because like in in Europe you'll go to a race and you'll have like 20 like people hanging around the the team the team while we're getting ready asking us to sign things. And yet, there's no coverage of the race. And then in the US, like you get pretty much like some of the races have incredible fans, but a lot of them have basically nobody, but there's live coverage, um, which is really weird, I think. But also, um, the best way to watch a, ra- a bike race, I feel like, is on TV because a crit you can watch live and it's awesome because like they come around you know how a hundred times or they're probably not that much but they come around a lot so you get to see them like every minute or two um but like for a road race and stuff i would rather watch that on tv so mm-hmm. yeah it, it was it is it was weird that Omloop uh had didn't have any live coverage
0: no it kind it and of-
1: disappointing really disappointing
0: yeah, I mean, how does that work, Lindsay? From a from a team owner point of view, when you're trying to get sponsors for the team, does 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 the media or lack of media has that affected your conversations with with Huggins, Berman's, Superman, anyone like that?
2: To be honest, no. Uh, that really never comes up. The biggest conversation topics that we have in working with sponsors is. Uh, generally related to our social media following, right. and then talking about what the sponsor's goals are and how we can achieve those objectives. So, for example, I was just talking to a sponsor, potential sponsor, this past weekend, and his number one goal is to convey to the greater cycling community what his company does because he feels like there's a lack of understanding about what his company offers and how his company can meet their specific needs. And so, he wants to partner with a women's cycling team to help perpetuate that message. Um. The only thing that's really come up with regards to media coverage is, you know, one of our key sponsors has stated that at some of the top level races, the, the televised races for him are absolutely key and he enjoys seeing when the team races aggressively and is out there off the front or on the front of the peloton or doing things in the race that when it's being shown on television, showcase his riders and get the name out there. Mm-hmm. But I really have not actually had any sponsors come back to me and say the lack of coverage for specific races is a problem, which I feel like maybe I should lie because that's probably not the right answer to be giving right now. But
0: <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, it's it's interesting.
2: Yeah, I'd rather just be honest and say that for the most part, things like social media reach end up being a bigger conversation topic. And, you know, you could extrapolate that further and say social media reach would grow if we had better coverage. And therefore, it's important that we push for the coverage. And obviously, for For like my mom, oh my God, my mom would love to see, my mom would like to see my breakfast televised, frankly, (laughs) but, you know, for people that are invested in the riders or family members, coaches, uh, other team members who may not be at the race, of course, we want to see every single second so we can watch how it plays out. Um, And I think it would be good to have that. And I think as we're trying to get more fans to connect, it's important for them to see the struggle that goes into The results that they then read about on cycling news, you know, the results really only tell a tiny part of the story. If you looked at my results from this past Saturday's road race, for example, you would see, oh, she was second on the day. Like, that's great. What you didn't see is that I spent 75 miles wanting to puke and die from unbelievable pain and fatigue from being in a breakaway with four other riders. And had that not been, had that been televised, you would know that. Had that been Mm -hmm. televised, you would have seen how hard we were working. Otherwise... All you see is a podium photo where I'm smiling while dying on the inside.
0: <laughs> In that kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm happy to be on the podium. I want to murder you for beating me feeling or I want to murder myself for not for not let for not for not beating you.
2: No, the girl who beat me, she earned it. She earned it so hard. And I was so I was so happy that I mean, that not terrible. To say. I was so happy that she beat me, but she really did deserve it. Totally. I was thrilled for her. I was mostly just really happy to be on the podium at that point because it meant I was no longer on the bike.
0: <laughs> I think, from my point of view, I've never raced, and those are the stories I can't tell because i i don't have the I don't have the knowledge. Do you know what I mean? I don't have the. I can't have that story where you joke about how you really needed to pee on the bike and and what you did about it, because or 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 what it feels like when you just want to die. Or or what it feels like when something goes horribly wrong or something or something goes horribly right. Because I, I don't have any of that experience. And I feel like with you guys doing that, that's what you can add. And that's what you can bring to that's what you can bring to the media. And that's super exciting because as you say, those are that's what that's what grabbed me and pulled me into cycling in the first place. And I yeah, like actually, these I'm- stories
2: about wanting to die. Like I feel like most people are not honest enough about it. You read writer blog entries and you know, you read cycling media and nobody actually wants to say, holy crap, I hated every minute of that race. It was terrible and dangerous and I felt awful and I had the worst legs and I seriously wanted to crap myself in the middle of it. People don't say that enough. And I, my goal is to be ridiculously honest about that sort of thing because it needs to be said.
1: Mm-hmm. Sarah, I'm curious how you how you did get um, interested in cycling.
0: Um, I, I don't know. Well, my, my partner wanted to watch cycling and I thought it was boring. <laughs> um, and I didn't understand it and I'd see it on TV and it was just like the Tour de France made no sense and it just lasted forever and and, yeah. and nothing changed. It was just like people riding together in a big group. What the hell is that? Um, and then I read Cat by Freya North, which I picked up in my, because I was desperate for something to read at work. And I picked up at lunchtime and picked up Cat by Freya North, which is a buster set at the Tour de France. Um, and in the middle of like this sexy story about cyclists, she explains cycling because it's like it's a recruitment tool uh, to, to pretending to be chick lit. That's really a recruitment tool for cycling. And so she. So uh, have you read it? You have to read this book. I haven't read it. Have you read it, Lindsay? No, I haven't. Oh, my God, well, I'm I will buy you both a copy of Cat by Freya North because everyone in the world <laughs> should read Cat by Freya North. It's it's, it's very British. Um, it's ridiculous and it's adorable. And she's basically, yeah, it's basically about a journalist going around the Tour de France and, yeah, and admiring men in lycra
1: that's and, hilarious
0: and, and <laughs> i'm pain. so to read this yeah it's it's awesome I, I will buy you both both a copy of it and you can talk about it on your podcasts and <laughs> yeah because everyone should love cat by freya north um yes i could say it again cat by freya north and um, so but but basically that explains cycling to me yeah because it it kind of it, one of the characters you know two of the characters are sprinters and two of the characters are climbers and there's a couple of gc riders and the the book's punctuated by her columns in the guardian which is a real newspaper um which although and yeah and she explains why just because mark cavendish has won five stages why he's not leading the tour de france you know those kind of questions and that kind of started me off on a long journey a long weird journey into women's cycling um, even though it's not about women's cycling but it's it's you know kind of because to me cycling is illegible like if you don't know if you come at it from you know if you just turn us on the tv it's it, it and you watch the world championships and you have to the men's race you have to like commit 8 hours to watch the whole race live and it's just horrible you know terrible weather and they're all crashing and, and it doesn't make any sense yeah it doesn't make any sense and you've got no idea what's going on and la 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 so it's um it's fascinating like like this weird world and you know, um, if like me, you grew up doing athletics, it's a gender divided world. So you don't know, so which, you know, is kind of unusual. So which is really weird because to me, sport is something you everyone does, and then you find out no, it's only for men. And yeah, that's my that's my that's that's my um, superhero origin story, I guess.
1: Cool. I've always I've always wondered because I actually like have only just recently got into listening to podcasts in the last like year maybe um so I hadn't ever listened to your podcast before this winter and I went actually went back and like downloaded a bunch of the old ones <laughs> and <laughs> was listening to them which is hilarious when you know the outcome of things yeah and, yeah
0: yeah
1: Where um, go. but yeah I've always wondered how you how you got into it
0: Yeah I mean it's also it's it's a bit like making your own media you know I I had riders I started interviewing riders because there are people I wanted to ask questions to you know like Mm -hmm. like how did you do it what do you do? Well you
1: want to get to know people and you want to like give people an opportunity for for the world to know them better um, and like know why they started racing and and by listening to somebody's story about, like, why they started and uh, what got them into it, you can, like, you build fans because they, like, people will listen to it and be like, oh, I didn't know, like, XYZ about that person. Like, that, that's awesome. I'm going to be, like, so much more excited when they, when, they are, when they are successful or, like, when they, you know, are in a breakaway Then you want to cheer them on more and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's Twitter tweetable facts as well. Do you know what I mean? If you can say if you can say something that's interesting about a rider in 140 characters, like yeah. Emma Pooley, she's just finished her PhD in geotechnical engineering. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck can is that about? That like
1: 140 characters? I don't think. so. Yeah,
0: and, and <laughs> know, kind of and kind of or or you know Lindsay Bayer, she's riding and she also runs her own team. Yeah. Like, those 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 are hooks to me. Fun fact. I love fun facts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, like what's the random factoid about these people? Because, you know, I may, I may associate myself with, oh yeah, that rider, she came to cycling late in her career. You know, she was in her thirties when she started racing and she'd never really raced, didn't know about cycling before. Whereas someone else is going to identify with that, that girl who's been doing it since she was five years old, you know, and all she ever did wants to do is ride her bike. And now she's in a team with Mariana Voss or something, you know, like, we all have our own hooks of what's going to interest us and that's and that's what I'd like my personal thing is like for the cycling media to have different ways you know different ways in to find out these things and different you know approaches rather than just oh she rides really fast
1: Mm -hmm. yeah because like we're we're more than just girls and like are riding our bikes around (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah and, and also I mean for, for you both I mean cycling cycling's a weird one too because you know that whole thing about only one person stands on the podium but it's all her teammates or you know in the spring classics where there's there's you know half the half the field isn't going to even finish the race but it's still a massive achievement to get as far as you did and to you know to have gone up the Paterberg at this level and stuff
1: that was really cool the Paterberg <laughs>
0: How how do you guys deal with that? I guess the fact that you can't always be on the podium, and or either b- both as a rider, Abby, and as a team manager, Lindsay. I guess in, in in telling in telling those kind of stories, how's how, how what's your what's your approach like about that?
1: I mean, like the sad fact is that you very 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 rarely get to stand on a podium, which I think is actually what makes it so awesome. And like, I mean, when I was on United Healthcare the last two years, we I had teammates that stood on almost every podium. Like, we were so successful in terms of results. And you you work together, especially in women's cycling. Now that there's so many teams that are stacked with riders and um, so many really good like team working type teams um it becomes even more important to work together as a team for a win so i think that when when your teammate wins you're you're standing on the podium yourself really like everybody everybody's hard work goes into it and so i don't think it's it's hard to deal with not winning or not being on the podium because when say one of my teammates is on the podium but i brought her bottles that day i i still did something that helped her get there
0: Mm.
1: so if that makes sense yeah
0: yeah and it's that's a hard thing as well to kind of explain to people do you in, in your with your various hats on Lindsay
2: um yeah I I mean to go back to I I just wanted to say one thing about in talking about this idea of you know getting on the podium or not honestly it's been I've been a domestique for so long that i kind of forgot what to do when you get to the podium <laughs> if you see podium photos from this past weekend that much is apparent but you know i think the greatest part about being not only a teammate but a team owner is i no longer give a shit who's on the podium as long as they're wearing a Hoggins and, and superman kit so if it's me or if it's my teammate it feels like one and the same and this past weekend it was an incredible honor to be the one who got to get up on the podium but if, you know when you especially when you own your own team, and you put so much work into seeing riders be successful in your team kit, so that you can go back and tell the sponsors, "We went out and did this for you. We got what we said we were going to do." I mean, John and I talk about how this feels like our baby; like it's like watching our kid grow up and go out in the world and do great things. The sense of pride that comes from just being able to attend a podium that has one of my riders on it—I it, feel like I might as well have won the race myself. And when I do get to win the race myself, I know that that will feel probably even just 1% more awesome, but I love being a domestique. I feel like there's a lot of pride in that job and the riders that I know in the Peloton who have embraced that as their primary role seem to have the same feeling, which is that it is an honor and a privilege to be part of a team where you trust somebody enough to take all of your hard work and deliver a result at the end. And as a team owner, I'm just so proud to see any of my riders succeed and so happy as a domestique to see my designated sprinter or designated climber or whomever it is on the day take that work and finish it off that it's almost irrelevant which one of us is up there on the podium as long as it's somebody.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah yeah I mean I I found it interesting Abby that what upsets me for example is that like you know united healthcare did so so well last year and got so many good results but because of the transfer system you aren't or that they they're not automatically going to the world tour this year you know what I mean yeah that was,
1: of, that's such a bummer
0: they, they they did really they did really 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 well and then they took a step then they've kind of t- taken a step down because they've done and so they well
1: they so like the team the team behind the scenes um Rachel Heel, and the rest of management worked so hard to get the team to Europe in the first place mm. uh last year like Mary is doing this year with Colavita Bianchi like we it's really, really hard for an American team to come over to Europe. And, um, like, U, UHC has successfully put two girls in Europe uh, on on really, really good teams with Alexis... Oh, three, I guess, with Hannah. So Hannah Barnes, Alexis mm-hmm. Ryan, and Corinne Rivera. Um, and it's a bummer that, yeah, that UHC didn't get into the Aviva Women's Tour this year. Or they aren't doing it, and I assume that it's because... Um, they didn't get, like, they don't automatically get an invite, and yeah. it that's one of the biggest, you know, the biggest women's races in, in the world these days, so all of, like, for Colavita Bianchi, we are here in Europe, but, but we didn't get into, uh, Strada Bianchi next, this coming weekend, because it's the first women's world tour, so, um, we came all the way here, but we can't do that race, which is unfortunate, but that's just how it goes, you know, that's just that's what it is to be an american team coming to europe
0: yeah are are you bringing your team to europe this year lindsay
1: yeah we're looking
2: at going later in the summer um i think our number one goal to meet our sponsor obligations is to focus on the big races in the u.s which is you know one of the reasons why losing the philadelphia race was such a devastating blow that's a classic and it's wonderful and our sponsors cared a lot about it but we definitely are planning a Europe block. Um, with our team and our budget, I felt like it was more prudent to start in the U.S., get everything really dialed in and focused, and then do what we did last year, which is uh, we went over to the Giro in July. So hopefully, you know, possibly looking at doing the Giro again or some of the other later in the season races and spending a few weeks over in Europe, probably around the July-August time frame.
0: Yeah. Does, does Jono's contacts come in handy with that? Because, you know, obviously Jono Coulter, your sports director and co-owner, has been around the sport for a, a long time.
2: Yes, indeed he has. And yes, it's he has all of those relationships. For me, I don't know anybody. So that's why it's wonderful to have him as a business partner, because he is the yin to my yang and all of the things that I don't know, which that's a very long list, and all the contacts I don't have, which is an even longer list. He has all of those. So, he handles most of that planning and just brings ideas to me so that I can continually say no and be Debbie Downer.
0: <laughs> awesome. And what, what's interesting is both of your careers seem to be, you know, obviously you're running a team, Lindsay, and Abby, you've been around teams that have been run by women for years, you know, 2016 is run by Nicola yeah. Um Obviously Rachel Heal is a, uh, is you know is 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 so 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 important at UHC and uh, Mary Zida is it Mary Zida? <laughs> yep, she's our she's our team
1: director and like her the her um her goal this year was to have us be a completely and last year completely women women's team. So actually our mechanic is a female. Um, our swanier is a female. We have, we're just across the board. We're women.
0: <laughs> With you guys, I, that feels like a very American side of the sports. Is that unusual for both of you, um, to, you know, to be around, or, or do you, or do you guys just see it as normal?
1: I guess I see it as normal just cause it's been the, all of the teams I've been on have been run by women. I mean, cause yeah, Mari Holden was our director on 2016, um, and so it, it, it seems normal, but it's awesome because it's all like ex-riders who are giving back to the sport, mm. uh, by, by helping it grow. So it, it's really cool to see.
0: Yeah. And, and Lindsay, what's your, what's your experience? Like, was it unusual for you to step into owning a team or did, or, 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 or is it something that you've seen, you know, in your experience?
2: <laughs> I have been on, you know, I rode for Colavita, Fine Cooking when it was directed by Iona Winter Parks and Tina Pick. So my first experience was riding for a professional women's team that was run by women. Um, with that said, to answer your question directly, was it unusual to step into that role? Oh my God, fuck yes. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> Never in a million years did I ever want to have my own cycling team because it's it's literally like someone said, I have an idea. Let's start a business and do all of the work, all of the stress, all of the anxiety And the end goal is not to make a profit. No, 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 no. The end goal is to not end up spending your own personal money just to keep the boat afloat. So when I think like, yeah, uh, like ages ago, my ex-husband had said, I want to start a team. And I was like, dude, you are out of your mind. Like you could not pay me enough money to do that. Apparently you can, and you don't even have to pay me to do it. I'm just going to do it for funsies. So... When I think about the fact that I did this, it seems insane. And no part of me is like, wow, that was a real good plan. But at the same time, it's been incredibly rewarding. And I I could not, and I say this over and over again, because it's so true. I couldn't do it without Jono, because I literally wouldn't have the slightest clue where to begin. But I also would lose my mind if it were not for my better half. He just keeps everything running. He he points me in the directions he needs me to make business decisions and he makes all the cycling decisions and it works. And I think, you know, he's a dude obviously. So he and I collectively run the team. So we're not entirely a women run organization, but I also don't really think about it as like, Oh, I'm a woman running a woman's team. I think about it as I'm a business person running a business. And I look at my riders as riders. They're not women. I don't mm-hmm. care that they have boobs or not. Like it's just, we're athletes. I'm a business owner. John a business owner. We get shit done. Like, we make it happen. We try and function as I would expect any professional organization, cycling or otherwise, to function. You know, we have a budget, we have obligations, we have sponsor obligations, we meet our commitments, we show up at races prepared, we race hard. Like, it's a business, and I treat it as such. The fact that we're a women's team and hopefully making a mark in women's cycling and also being a good example for a functional business model where We meet our obligations, our salaries get paid, we don't end up in the news for being one of those delinquent sponsor situations where Mm. riders aren't getting paid, like that's not going to happen. I'd love to be seen as a role model in the sport for doing this successfully and being yet another functional, accomplished women's team. But I don't even ever think about it as women cycling or not. I just think about it as cycling. Mm. We're in the sport. We race hard. We run a business that will hopefully continue to be successful.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. It's so inspiring. It's like it it really makes me happy that you guys are it, it feels like the future's changing. And it feels it feels like these states the the USA is, is is kind of got a lot to teach us over here. Do you know what I mean? Like we've got the big races over here. And you guys have got I don't know. You you guys have got the future. If that makes any sense. Does that make sense to you guys or am I just being romantic? Because,
1: yeah, that you know? probably makes sense. <laughs> I mean, um I I was talking to Iris uh slap and about how ab- about like where women's cycling is going and she said one of her things that she would really like to see happen is have all the teams have professional um support like when it comes to behind the scenes the director uh this one year the mechanic all that like and i think that in europe um teams having full-time staff isn't isn't seen very often unless it's like one of the higher teams but in the u.s it's like weird if if you don't have staff like on the team and i don't know what uh lindsey's view of that is but all, all the teams that i've been on have had full-time staff members or at least like we've had um for 2016 we had swannies at every races uh that were part-time or like for hire basically but they were always really really professional and that's something that the in the states you see a lot of but i've heard about european teams that don't have that which Mm. i find interesting
0: well you know the european teams where they don't you know where you don't i still don't understand why riders sign to small italian teams for example because you know you're not going to get paid and you're probably going to get treated really shittily you know like it's it's they're promising you stuff but you're never gonna it's never gonna happen
1: yeah for sure
0: cool so okay so let's get real back to your podcasts um okay what's your goals if you could have anyone on your podcast that you could talk to what's your plan for the next year sorry that's three questions in one one what's your plan for the next year two if you could have anyone on your podcast who would you talk to uh,
1: my plan for the next year i have five more episodes recorded that will come out and then it'll probably be 15 episodes for season one and then i'm hoping to find sponsorship for season two just so i can keep it going mm-hmm. um but other than that, I don't really have plans just uh, winging it maybe a little bit. And then who would I want to s- um, I think it would be really cool to have Voss on the podcast just because she is like you know the face of women cycling basically or lizzie but it is really hard to do interviews with people who i don't know just because then i feel like the conversations are a little bit harder to keep going so i'd have to like maybe do season three with them so that i'm like good at it by that time mariana,
0: mariana voss is awesome she's um she's 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 like she's so she's such a media pro yeah. Even though she's like this quiet, like self-effacing, slightly shy woman, she's such a media pro by now that she'd, she'd be fine. You'd be fine with yeah. her. You should ask her anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I probably will. You could put in a good word for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. What, what about you, Lindsay? Who's on your list? And what's your plan?
2: Uh, my plan is to, every other week, just keep having great conversations with people um, and finding new scotches to drink while doing so. <laughs> I... I don't have a set number of episodes that I intend to do. I think I'll just keep going until Bill tells me, please stop sending me media files. (laughs) Until until he changes his
0: email address. You know, you find it yourself Yeah, until
2: I forget to replace the batteries in the recorder the first time, and then I'll probably retire in sheer fury and frustration. But I have a list of people I want to talk to, um, and it's mostly just people I think would have great conversations. So there are a million people in cycling who I think are awesome and have interesting perspectives, but I want to make certain that the people that I talk to end up being people with whom I can have really good, interesting conversations. And I want it to be people who are willing to say things that are slightly unorthodox. So, you know, when I talked to Pork the first time and said, how about this podcast? I said, you know, the only way it's going to work is if you're willing to go outside, maybe what might be your comfort zone and say things that You know, this is not going to be a typical interview where I expect you to hit key points and remain very uptight. I want it to be, you know, I want you to say some things that are going to make people blush. I want it to be really honest. And so my focus in finding people to talk to is looking for people who are willing to have those types of conversations. So I don't have, you know, the list changes. Like I, I never would have thought, like, I love my teammate Jess, the one I did a podcast with yesterday. I didn't realize until living with her for the past few weeks that there was this conversation that we needed to have and we needed to make it a podcast, and that came up organically. So I'd love to just keep my options open as the season goes on and figure out, you know, I might meet someone next week on a ride who turns out has a really interesting story and is willing to talk about it over alcohol, and then I'll just put that out there and see how it goes.
0: Awesome. Awesome yeah I was just having this this nice little vision of us fighting, oh sorry, you know you've you've you talked to Katie Hall, Abby, and I really want to talk to Katie Hall, and that's like totally unfair, you know
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I love Katie. she's when when we were teammates the last two years, she was like my go-to for being roommates because like we we worked really well together. so when I started doing the podcast, I had to ask her a couple times to be on the podcast because she was just so nervous, and I was like, please, 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 please let me interview you. Um, but it's great. She, she tells cat stories about her cats, and that one that one's next week's episode, so I'm excited for it to come out.
0: Um, do you have any questions for each other?
1: Whew, I don't think so.
0: Oh, come on. You can do it, guys.
1: Hey, Lindsay, are you racing Gila while I see you there? I I think I might be,
2: but... Um. That's the one thing. So, O and I, as part of our relationship and how we were on the team, is when it comes to roster decisions, I am just a rider. So I get nice. I get the same treatment really as any good. other rider. Yeah. So, as much as I want to say yes, I'm racing Gila. Honestly, it's up to the boss. Cool. I just threatened to cut off his paycheck if he doesn't give me what. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you have any questions? Just kidding, for- <laughs> Do you have any questions for Abby, Lindsay?
2: Um, I can't think of any because she and I have actually gotten to hang out a lot of times since I've asked all my awkward, weird, dorky questions. I totally, <laughs> I do have to tell you, Abby, do you remember when we did the Olympic training center camp like five years ago? Oh, for sure. I thought you were so incredibly cool, even though I was like older and I felt like I shouldn't be a total dork. I was like, Oh my God, this girl is so cool and like, comfortable oh, man, and, awesome. God, and then I'm I stayed with your family people. and I felt like, I felt like a total chamois sniffer like oh my god I'm such a fan of Abby Mickey but I'm gonna play it cool like you had the nose piercing and I wanted to get my nose pierced and you were so chill and your mom your mom was so cool and you guys were so cool together and I just I felt like an enormous uber dork like I'm such an Abby Mickey fan but now I can tell you because we're separated by an ocean and so embarrassing things don't count. (laughs) That's true.
0: Embarrassing things don't count on podcasts as well it's like it's like a law it's a media law.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious I like that I remember actually do you remember when we went to Aspen and we raced that crit yes that was that was cool I was like man Lindsay's so strong I wish I could race crits like Lindsay
2: that was really painful I remember thinking I was gonna throw up a lung and then when I got (laughs) fifth I think I thought I won like I was so happy about that fifth place I felt like I mean, I literally went home and updated my cycling resume that day, but yeah, that was a good time. That was really yeah. fun. And I liked your family a lot. Tell them I said hi.
1: I will. My family's awesome. Actually, my parents are going to be at uh, Gila Redlands and California. They've already like mapped ah, out. They're yay. like, this is where we're going to stay. And I'm like, sweet. And so they're like cooking for the team. And my mom, I've been like, mom, hey, you're cooking for the team. So she didn't. She's, I don't, I don't know if she knows that like she has to do it now, but she usually comes to races with like six boxes of cookies anyway. So, (laughs) but they'll be there. They will be at all of the races. If you, if you make the cut for the rosters, you'll see them.
0: So how do you spot your parents at races? Do they do like Lizzie Armistead's, Lizzie Davis's grandma wears a I'm Lizzie Armistead's grandma shirt? (laughs)
1: So my mom has this cowbell that was a Christmas present from my sister, which is um, a real my sister, like literally had saved up all of this money for Christmas presents. And she was super excited about Christmas presents and then spent all of it on my mom's Christmas present, which is an authentic cowbell from Switzerland, which is massive. My mom can't ring it. So she has to just like hold it between her legs and just rock back and forth. <laughs> so <laughs> she'll be like, wow. So many <laughs> jokes here. I know so many jokes. Yeah, just it's my mom, so just maybe don't.
0: <laughs> so so, so, basically, so basically, if anyone's at an race in America and they see a woman with an enormous cowbell between cowbell. her knees,
1: yeah. Um, so the first time I ever did the tour of the Gila, we were like riding it, maybe in the first like five k. And my parents were on the side of the road and my mom had this huge cowbell and she was ringing it and screaming. And my dad is like really, really shy. So he just kind of stood there silently. And I was like, oh yeah, those are my parents. And the whole Peloton laughed and it was awesome. But they're, they're pretty easy to spot. Like my dad will come up to people and just hug them. Like without knowing them, he'll just like come up to people and hug them. There was one really awkward incident at a criterium in Colorado that, um, uh shoot I'm forgetting that guys. Tyler Hamilton was there and my dad just like walked up and gave him a hug and I was like dad what are you doing like stop stop hugging people and he'll like kiss Hannah Barnes on the cheek and oh man
0: so does that help you I mean when you're when there you are on your bike race and you're you know thinking I'm getting to that point where I'm going to attack and I've told stupidly told my parents and they're standing at the point where I told them I'm going to attack and they're that that your mom's cowbelling and yelling does that like, oh, make I you go harder it. or does it make you like want to die and like go into the middle of the peloton
1: I they are my number one fans and they've been supporting me since I mean since the second I was born and um so I think it makes me go harder they, they stand at the exact same place on the Mogollon at stage one of Tour de Gila every year they stand with 500 meters to go And I always know that they're there. So every year at the Gila, I'm like, okay, I just have to get the 500 meters to go. And then my dad will be there and he will like run next to me and I'll be able to make it to the finish. Oh, (laughs) yeah.
0: That's adorable.
1: Yeah, my parents are great. (laughs) They would totally bring the cat too. like Voss's parents bring the cat and my parents would totally bring the cat. And if I ever tell them that Voss's parents bring a cat to the races, they will be like, Okay, Archie is coming to the next races with us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think we've lost Ninsy. Yeah, it looks like we lost. Oh well, we can we can we can catch with her later. Can you just tell us, since we just had it, what was it like this weekend at the at the at the classics? What's it like as an American rider racing the classics?
1: Well, I think like I mean, as an American racing the classics, it's it's basically a completely different sport from like American racing um everyone rides a lot closer together it's a lot more aggressive uh a lot harder to move around in the peloton and i don't have as much experience as i want to have in races like that so and especially being like first race back uh the first races back are always like okay like got to get the racing legs back on like turn the brain on to racing and get back into it so just having it be like the first race back, the head news squad was uh, a little bit of a shock to the system, but it's just so incredible that we're able, like as an American team, to be over here and doing it. Mm. Um, that it that it was all aw- like it was super fun. I mean, I I did get pulled, and I was sitting in like the broom wagon with four of my other teammates and we were all just like smiling. I'm like, that that was awesome. I can't <laughs> wait for tomorrow. <laughs> so
0: yeah. That's all, that's brilliant because, because, you know, it is a, um, Omelette is a shock to the system.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was hard. It was really, I mean, it wasn't like, it started out pretty, pretty mellow. it just, Um, compared to my first, my, I only did, uh, two of the Belgian classics last year, well, in the Netherlands. So I did Drenta and then the day after Drenta. Mm -hmm. And that was my first classic was Drenta. And it was just like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? This is insane. I'm terrified. And so (laughs) I was taking that and doing omelet with that in my head. And Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't nearly as scary as I remember so I think people were taking it easy, but then of course, like once we hit the climbs, like the first climb, the whole race just exploded.
0: And you were out of the back. So have we got Lindsay back? Yes. Oh. Sorry, my, inter- my internet took a hiatus. No, no. That's see. This is this is the problem. Um. Okay. What's the worst thing you've done in a podcast? I'll tell you mine first. Um. This is my cautionary tale. Um, which you shouldn't do, which is when you've done a really, 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 really good extensive podcast and you're so happy with it and so proud of it. And then you stupidly delete it and put it in your trash. And when you're trying to get it out, it says, do you want to delete your trash? And you say, yes, that's the worst thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm so ashamed. Um, Uh, what, what, What are your worsts? Or do you not have worsts? Because you only have bests. The
1: worst are yet to come for sure. Oh, yeah,
2: without a doubt. Like I have those, as soon as I finish the podcast and hit stop, there's like a 10 minute window where I feel like I'm about to crap myself in which I press play to make certain that I hear it on the recording device. Okay, good. It's there. And then I get the memory card out. I put it on my computer and I frantically look through the folders on the memory card to make sure, okay, there, it's definitely there. And then I frantically put it onto my computer and save it and then open it and listen to it for a split second to make certain, okay, it's there. And then I put it in the Dropbox. And until that's all complete, I feel like my stomach is about to fall out of my butt. (laughs) But then, so far, I have not had any issues. I'm also hyper aware of the battery level in the recorder. um, Making certain that the microphones are on. Doing the level check beforehand. But otherwise, I mean, I'm only three episodes in. So I haven't really had an opportunity to fuck it up yet. But I'm certain the horizon is wide open for many screw-ups.
0: Yeah, just, just don't ever delete your trash can. That's that's my so okay. Last questions because you know I you know this is a half hour podcast right? All my all my podcasts are half an hour. Um, Yeah. Oh,
1: good. Actually, I have a solution for that. Maybe you you and Dan Dan right? Yes. Should start doing two a week.
0: (laughs) I would love that if if I if if Dan if I had my way I'd podcast every day because (laughs) all I want to do with my life is talk about women's cycling that's not true i want to talk about lots of other things too but you know one of the big things i want to do in my life is talk about women's cycling and holy shit did you see that thing on twitter oh my god and things like that that's that would be my (laughs) ideal life um okay tell me you two know each other um for people who are brand new to each other um you might doesn't matter that you haven't heard her podcast lindsay um why should people follow the other one of you can i go first yeah yeah go for it
2: So the one thing I've loved about Abby from the very first time I met her, and clearly I was a fangirl, like creeping in the background, but Abby is one of those unique cyclists that I feel like is willing to say what she's thinking and feeling. Like you put anyone else in a post-race interview and they're probably like, that was really great. I had such a nice time where Abby, I think would actually be like, oh my God, that was terrible. I had a really good time, but oh my God, everything hurts and I have a saddle sore (laughs) on my ass and it's killing me. And She's cool. Like she's somebody that I intentionally wanted to hang out with from the beginning. And so listening to her, and I I seriously I will listen to your episodes cuz if I'm going to listen to something, I'm certain that yours are going to be completely worth. Like I'll I'll skip sleeping at some point and do that because <laughs> Abby's the kind of person who has real and interesting conversations and she's smart, but she's funny and she says things that I actually want to hear people say. So it's it's outside the normal like, "Oh, tell us how the race went today. Like, it's going to be interesting. She's an interesting person. And, you know, if there is a face of women cycling, it would be awesome if it was a face just like Abby's and just this personality that makes you want to engage, makes you want to learn more about athletes and focus in on their racing and support the team. So I would love to see more people pay attention to riders like Abby and Abby herself and listen to the podcast and hear the kinds of conversations she has about women's cycling, because I guarantee you they're going to make you want to spend your money in the sport. The end.
1: I really don't think that I can top that. That was like, wow. I'm like blushing and like,
0: did I, did I move
2: you to to tears? Are there tears? That
0: is my mom. So, (laughs) Okay, get over get over yourself, Abby, because you're going to say why everyone <laughs> should listen to Lindsay's podcast, which you've actually listened to. Yeah,
1: actually, I I do really like Lindsay's podcast for a lot of the same reasons. I think that like people try to glaze glaze over a lot of topics, and especially with Lindsay's podcast so far, like she she does she gives zero fucks about you know what you should be saying and says like exactly what what needs to be said and that's what I've enjoyed so far about the podcast like I've loved the podcast with Jess um that was awesome and in general like yeah I really like I really like that you say what needs to be said about cycling not just the the pretty stuff but also like the the stuff that happens that people don't really want to talk about so that's what has been good for for me, and I actually haven't listened to the one with the guy who's a fit, who's the bike fitter, just because I like to listen to podcasts with people whose voices I know. Um, but it is downloaded, so I'm excited. To you should
2: to you should listen to his because we talk a lot about uh, female tissue, vaginas. We talk nice. about vaginas a lot, cool. and I feel like everybody needs to talk about vaginas. More.
1: See, that's my point. Like you talk about about vaginas, it was hard for me to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> really. <laughs> I feel like I'm 10 years old. And and people don't really talk about that. Like saddle sores are a real issue. Um, but but people, yeah, people would never say that. So it's cool. vagina,
2: vagina, vagina. You gotta say it more. Okay. I know you need to wrap up here, but I on a ride the other day I was talking to my teammate about how why do we name these body parts that are supposed to actually be attractive and appealing? Why do we give them such terrible names? Like nipple. Nipple, vagina, <laughs> penis. Like, these are terrible names. Vulva. But yet, yeah,
1: those, they're definitely, it's not those like, are they're not sexy at all. Sexy? Like, yeah.
2: what is sexy about vulva? Vulva. Okay. I'm glad this is going on a podcast. Uterus.
0: Sorry, I just want to say, Lindsay, your blogging is amazing. Um, I've always Thank loved you. I'm Lindsay's. really I've bad o-
2: at keeping up with it. I'm terrible at it. I'm Yeah, so, I know. I want, I want more.
0: I want more, 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 more. And, yeah. Right now...
2: Not to like shamelessly plug my own column, but Peloton Magazine is—they run my column now. Where the things that normally would have made it on a blog post, I save up and spew out once a month on Peloton. So my next column should be coming out, I believe, probably next Tuesday.
0: Cool. Is that but I will try well?
2: get, Yes. Yeah. Peloton ah. Magazine. So um, they have—you should check out their Instagram account because they have gorgeous photos. But. Yeah, I'm going to get better at blogging. I just, um, I haven't decided if I want to give up sleeping or showering. And I think for the sake of everyone around me, I should probably pick sleep and not showering. But no, no, You no,
1: could showering. probably just get one of those, like, spray and shampoos or whatever. So, like, all you have to do is just, you know, spray down your hair and then just take, like, a wet wipe and wash your face and then you're golden.
2: And my, 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 my vagina. And I just your, had to say that again. Yeah, that
1: too. Um, and I actually pits. did. I did
2: lay on the floor of the shower the other day and try and combine sleeping and showering at the same time.
1: That's a terrible idea.
2: No, it was but really I've good. I've
1: done it too, so that's fine. You could podcast from the
0: shower.
2: I thought about that. I've done a lot of things in the shower, including eating a sandwich. I've done teleconferences from the shower, um, but podcasting I've yet to try. I think the water noise might be a little bit much. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mostly just listen to Ed Sheeran in the shower.
2: <laughs> oh, good call.
1: He has a new album coming out on Friday. I'm like so excited. <laughs> tomorrow oh my god ed sheeran's album coming out tomorrow <gasps> oh my god i just realized tomorrow's friday. <laughs> this is friday wow i'm not gonna sleep tonight i'm gonna be like too excited poor amber is my roommate she's gonna be like damn it abby could you just go to sleep and i'm gonna be like amber i can't ed sheeran's album comes out tomorrow i like i can't sleep
0: so basically um your ideal guest would be ed sheeran
1: that would I don't think he knows like anything about women's cycling but if I could if he could just play at my wedding like that would be awesome
0: excellent and on that note (laughs) in the shower with Ed, Ed Sheeran um where do people find you guys um Abby Mickey where are where is your where does your podcast live
1: um, my podcast is on iTunes and also on my blog. So um, iTunes, it's, uh, you can find it the wheel talk podcast or wheel talk, actually just wheel talk. I should know that just wheel talk. And then my blog, I, which I don't know the link to, because it's really long, but I think it's like, if you just Google Abigail Mickey blog, you'll find it. And that's where all of my, like, I, I do some writing sometimes it's not as good as Lindsay's, but sometimes I just get the urge to write and also all the episodes are on there
0: excellent also
1: it's on twitter i'm on twitter at the wt underscore podcast
0: wt underscore podcast and you are um also on twitter at abby mickey Uh, m-i-c-k-e-y yep like the mouse like the mouse i i I have no idea how to spell the mouse either well the mouse like abby mickey obviously yeah like mickey mouse like yeah uh,
2: M U S I K U I
1: M U S I. I was going to say, people Oof. sing that song to me a lot. <laughs> wow, boy,
0: awesome. <laughs> um, I, 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 I would. Okay, your mission is to record it. You need to have your teammates singing it to you, um, yeah, not necessarily in the shower. Um, Lindsay, where do people find you on the internet?
2: Yes, indeed, I'm all over the internet, um, and there's a few one nine hundred numbers. Yes. Just kidding. So. Uh, the podcast is available on iTunes. It's available on the Wide Angle Podium Network, and you can also find it, uh, my producer is kind enough to manage a Twitter account for me, which is at Dirtfield Record. I personally am available for snarky witticisms in 140 characters or less on Twitter at The Dirt Field. I have a blog, thedirtfield.com, or you can just Google Lindsay Bayer, and I have no idea what the hell will pop up, but I guarantee you it'll be good.
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, but don't well, ever Google yourself. Because I've heard that that's not Portland.
2: No, I don't wanna know.
1: I'm just kidding.
2: I have a few I have that's a few ex-husbands stuff. out there that probably have put some content up.
0: Wow, <laughs> um Abby, you are abigail mickeysquarespacecom hyphen Mickey dot
2: There you go.
1: That rolls that's, right off the tongue.
0: That's <laughs> my, see, that's why I can't ever remember it. <laughs> yeah. No, I I I applaud your I applaud your um commitment to insane uh, email addresses. Um Lindsay, where do people find your team? The first Play step of the podium <laughs> okay <laughs> you can
2: find
1: us at supermintusa.com you get to the u.s
2: Sorry. zing, zing. No. um supermintusa.com supermintusa.cc <laughs> at supermintusa across all social media platforms or you can google us at Hoggins Berman superman and see what pops up
0: excellent which hopefully will be the top of the podium
2: hell yeah
0: oh well thank you so much for your time and good luck good luck good luck good luck good luck i um, thank I you look forward to people- yeah to pleasure to chat with i look forward to people coming up to me and saying yeah i can't talk to you sarah i've just talked to Lindsay and abby so no <laughs> that's the future. that's my future
1: <laughs> no this everyone listen to their
0: listen to their work because it is awesome and they're brilliant and if anyone you know where i am i'm at prowomenscycling.com and you can find me on twitter at pwcycling and yeah come and have a look i'll put all the links to everywhere you can find abby everywhere you can find Lindsay. interesting things i like about them little videos with them in if i can find them um, i'm sure i can because it's the internet and yeah that's where they'll be thank you very much thank you listening.
1: thank you